Welcome to another episode of the Tune In A Podcast. We are the Southern Hemisphere's biggest and best and only dedicated podcast to all things Newcastle United. And today talking with myself about uh, the new FFP rules and regulations that may or may not be coming in. I've got Mark down in Brisbane. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, doing all right. Uh, busy at work at the moment, but making a bit of time to come on and have a bit of a moan and a bitch about the uh, the impending votes that are that are coming along about uh, reforming the FFP situation in the Premier League. Uh, our favourite topic at the moment after what was an abysmal January. It really was, and because of that, this is the whole, uh, reason why I think these talks have come around. Uh, the image of the Premier League has been damaged somewhat, I would say, from a miserable 100 million yeah, spent sure. over a 31-day period, which is pathetic in terms of Premier League spend. Um, but before we jump into this, I just want to give a thing. If you don't follow or subscribe to this YouTube channel already, please do so. Again, we are so close to the 1,500 uh, subscribe limit. And if you listen on our audio platforms, please give us a five-star review and give us a shout-out on the social channels. If you follow us, we are available on pretty much every single one there is. Uh, but we'll get this uh, show cracked off, Mark. So it was a few days ago now that it was announced that there's going to be the usual meeting between all the Premier League owners and so on down in London, where they're going to talk about reforming the rules and regulations surrounding FFP and product sustainability rules. Now, one of the main topics that have come out of this, or one of the main suggestions, is that they want to try and fall in line with UEFA's rules and regs of how they perform it themselves. Now, the Premier League do it a little bit differently, um, which, to be honest, I think they have their every right to do so because it's the most lucrative and richest league in the world, so they do have that extra flexibility. But this whole 70% turnover to squad cost What's your initial thoughts of that and how do you think it'll be received across the owners and fans alike in the Premier League? Look, so f first off, I want to I want to be very clear here that as Newcastle United fans, if this was 3 years ago and Mike Ashley was still in charge, we probably wouldn't give a shit. And and, no. and let's be honest, we probably wouldn't. Um, it is very apt at the moment, but we've also seen a whole host of rules and regulations brought in recently to limit spending, to limit partner uh, trading and, and all that sort of stuff, purely and simply because we've been taken over by PIF, richest club owners in the world, everyone crapped the ducks. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cascaded some... Um, some rush through decisions, uh, votes on whether or not we were allowed to loan players from PIF owned clubs, uh, even when it wasn't even on the on the agenda, which was quite quite amusing. Um, and then you know recently we've seen Man City uh, quite happily do it with one of the one of their partner owned clubs, which um, got no no pushback whatsoever. So that's that's a little bit disappointing, and it shows it shows exactly where these rules are, are coming from, uh, but. The, the 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 there's like two or three different 
um, kind of rules and regulations that are kind of doing the rounds on social media at the moment. And it's kind of hard to nail down exactly which one yeah. is the one that we're supposedly looking at. Um, the, 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 you summed up in the intro there, there's, there's been this monumental, uh, like own goal by the Premier League in finding Everton and having this un, uh, unadjusted, uh, sort of, financial stranglehold if you like and this this sort of like loss over three years that we're allowed that hasn't actually in adjusted for inflation of players that you know we've got players going for 30 million that probably would have been worth four or five million back when these rules were were, were implemented so with all of that in mind the the one that we've seen probably the most kerfuffle about is this uh the the one where effectively they're saying that you can only spend a certain amount of the club's revenue. Now, we all know that the clubs at the top of the Premier League are the clubs at the top of Europe who are always perennially in Europe and, and Champions League football and have all the big sponsors, have all the overseas deals, have all of like the extra supporters here, there and everywhere. They're the ones that earn all the money. Mm -hmm. um, so effectively, if you are limiting your spending of clubs, to only a percentage of what you earn that is literally straight out the door giving all of these clubs an unfair advantage and it is it's it's giving them them license to spend over and above what any other club can uh, and we're talking about wages the wages on that basically mean they can pay more wages than other clubs can so the players are always going to move to these clubs so you kind of felt almost left with a situation where the big clubs pick off the the cream of the crop and then it's a mad dash for the rest of the clubs to actually you know pick up what's left um the, the dregs at the bottom of the barrel if you like so yeah, look immediately. That thing is is so biased to uh, a select few clubs, um, and that's without even diving into uh, the, the details of what's happening and um, what's actually the the situation with Newcastle. Yeah, so from what I've been reading, and Jack has actually summarises quite well in our own uh, private group chat. So if your club is in Europe, you would be allowed to spend a maximum of seventy percent of your turnover on. Squad cost. Squad cost is everything from players' wages to um, transfer fees, agents' fees, bonuses, that sort of thing as far as I'm aware. One thing it doesn't include, and I'm not even sure if they are part of this, is backroom staff, manager staff, everything. Do you know if they're part of the overall squad cost? Or I've seen a couple. Stuff? Well, I've seen a couple of different um, sort of variations on the theme, if you like, where some of it's suggesting that it's literally just wages. Uh, in which case, well, right. I think I, I think I asked someone this on social media earlier today was, well, does this mean that if it's literally just wages, then you can pay whatever you want in terms of transfer fee? But what's to stop you just tacking on a little bit of extra? Uh, signing on bonus, if you like, in terms of making mm -hmm. up that shortfall for the wages that you're not allowed to pay these players. So there's there's ways and means that you could get around that. So I very much doubt that that would be the case. Um, I've seen everything in between, all the way up to the fact that if you were to build a new stadium, any costs associated with that come out of that profit and sustainability because it's, it's expenditure from the club, which immediately West Ham's got a free ground uh, Man City got a free ground. 
all these other clubs have had like bonuses in terms of when they were allowed to build infrastructure. Uh, and now all of a sudden, if a club wants to reinvest in the club, you know, Man United, they've, they've probably got the, the, the luxury situation where they could probably afford to write off a new billion dollar stadium and, and they would mm-hmm. be able to do that under their, 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 their revenue that they do generate. Um, but someone like Newcastle where things have maybe, stagnated a little bit more than they should have um training grounds you know we've had a revamp of the training ground but there's talk that we're going to build a state-of-the-art training facility um you know what happens with that do it does do we do we literally spend 250 million on that and then they turn around and say well that's all, all of your money gone you can't actually buy any players anymore or pay their wages again that doesn't seem fair to me either so it's it's finding that balance and and I'm I'm all for finding some way of reining in spending, but this just feels like it's it's super restrictive. No matter which way we spin it and what version of events we've kind of seen, uh, it, it just seems like it's just one way traffic towards the big six. Um, and somebody said earlier on that you know the big six. Why is it still the big six? Chelsea haven't been up there for for a year or so now, or a couple of years it's not just about where they're finishing in the league. It's about their sponsorship and about their revenue streams. And unfortunately they've been able to build that up before all these rules came into place. So again, it's like, it's an unfair advantage for those clubs that have been allowed to freely spend. And now all of a sudden we're not allowed to catch up um, because we've had things put in place to stop us actually getting these sponsorship deals to close the gap in terms of the revenue as well. So it's kind of like we're getting hit on both fronts at the moment. Yeah, and you, you touched on it just before uh, about how uh, the rate of inflation hasn't affected FFP since its introduction, which I, back, I think was back in 2013, um, maybe a year or so before. So that price has been £105 million over a three-year rolling period. Now, I worked out a bit of calculation before. If that was to be adjusted the rate of inflation based on 2023, uh, the loss over a three-year rolling period will be calculated at 141 million pounds now, which is a significant difference in terms of being able to spend and what you can and can't bring into the club. And it would probably mean the likes of Everton and Forest may have actually been okay in terms of what they were doing in terms of spend. Now, a 10-year difference in any type of financial situation is huge. It's a massive time frame to ignore. And our good friend of the pod, Kieran Maguire, he's the one that brought this whole why hasn't it been um, changed with the rate of inflation over the course of years. And to me, that would be the easiest way to do it and to keep the profit and sustainability in FFP rules separate from the rest of Europe where they do struggle financially. They do not bring in the same amount of coin as what the Premier League mm. does. Would you be happy with just a rise or a change based on inflation? Um, I probably would be. Uh, look, I think as as Newcastle fans, um, we, and and I, again, it's like we had I had this chat with somebody the other the other morning on 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 Twitter, um, Twix X, whatever you want to call it these days. The the idea behind our fans, young fans, the most uh, like kind of hard to please, easily kind of put off, um, like swaying positive versus negative all the time, um, wanting this instant gratification. But it's as a society, we've become so dependent on instant gratification. 
You know, we don't sit there and watch TV and flick through a couple of channels now. You've got Netflix, Disney Plus, all of these chat, all of these streaming services, Spotify for your music, where it's just I can watch and listen to what I want when I want and get bored and flick through to something else. You've got this constant stream of, um, you know, YouTube's got them. You've got TikTok videos, all the short videos that are just this this stream of of input um, that people are getting used to. So there is this this general feeling in society that you know I want it and I want it now. We're turning into a society of Veruca Salts, and, and I don't mean the band. Um, if we if we do take a little step back though. Um, I want to be. I want to be clear that it's really important to look after the smaller clubs. That with a yes. an unscrupulous owner could quite easily bankrupt the club, and the club goes insolvent and disappears from existence. And none of us want to see that. Nope. At the same time, most of this kind of changes in terms of financial fair play feel very personal to Newcastle because a lot of the changes in terms of the sponsorship rules and fair market value and all of this um, partner like trading and all this sort of stuff has all been brought up just after Newcastle got taken over and became a threat. Um, So it does feel a very personal attack on us as Newcastle fans. But as long as we can spend what we can spend and grow naturally and and put that effort in then and, and compete where we can compete to me that that's all i want you know we have to own up to the fact that we're not going to basically go out and spend like another 400 million and win the league it's just not going to happen these days no, um, chelsea did it when you could basically buy a top of the range player for like 20 30 million quid Uh, Man City took a few more years. They basically built it up, but they won the league, but they were buying players like for, you know, 30, 40 million quid. Now, you know, you've got pretty good players, but I wouldn't say like world-class players. Um, Maybe that's up up for debate with people like Declan Rice, depending on who you talk to, but you've got these players going for 100 million quid. That that's like not something that you're just going to be able to buy an entire team of, um, and nor should it be. And I don't, and I don't, and I have no problems with that. But a lot of the rules that are being brought in in terms of profit and sustainability, I feel, are more about the Super League and the threat that's hanging over everyone's head from that, because that is purely and simply a means to get the top European clubs back on level playing field with the Premier League because the Premier League's become too successful. It's got too much money. It buys up all the players. And there's a French guy that I work with, and we've had this conversation. He's a PSG fan, but he's basically saying, if it wasn't for PSG having effectively an unlimited budget to do whatever they want with, there'd probably be no French players, no top French players playing in in the French League because they would Mm -hmm. all be in the Premier League because we're the ones that can afford it. And again, that's probably not healthy for the game either. But at the same time, this just feels like it's it's trying to kind of wrestle back some power from the Premier League to the rest of Europe because the Premier League has become this unstoppable juggernaut, I guess. Yeah, it has. And, you know, TV money is obviously the big thing. And the global reach of the Premier League is far greater than any other league in the world. And the amount of money it does generate is absolutely insane. I think I read somewhere that uh, a while ago, um, the Inter Milan chairman came out and said, look, we can compete in terms of wages with Premier League clubs, but in terms of transfer fees, we could be outbid by Bournemouth because mm. they just don't generate the the amount of cash that they can physically get. 
in yeah. terms of compete with teams which may or may not be struggling with relegation season in, season out in the Premier League. And to me, that's that that's not on in terms of competitiveness because you, you want the best players spread around the world. Yes, it's nice to have all the best players in the Premier League, um, but I would like to see it more competitive and that sort of thing. I mean, who wouldn't? That's what the, the nature of a game is. But in terms of how things are going in with financial fair play, making a level playing field across the board, I don't think that should necessarily be the case. It should again be based on what that league brings in, in terms of revenue, in the same way that it is for the clubs within said league. For example, Real Madrid, they're probably bringing more money than any other club in La Liga. PSG do, Inter, AC, Juve, they're the same in uh, Serie And then you've got Bayern Munich in their uh, Bundesliga. They're the top teams in their league, so they should, yes, in theory, have the higher income. The Premier League is the biggest and best league in the world, and its income is significant. So why don't we, why aren't we able to hoover those funds and put it back into the clubs to make those clubs even more successful? The more successful the Premier League clubs are, the more successful the Premier League is. And that, that to me, I just don't understand the whole level playing field. It's a competition at the end of the day. And I want to see the best players at Newcastle, but I also want to see a, a, a fair competition as well, if that makes any sense. I think if you look at the um, other sports that have like have tried to generate some kind of competition value and, and spread the wealth, so to speak, uh, you, you look at people who have like clubs who have brought in salary caps. Um, that salary cap needs to be across the board. It can't be based on revenue because then all you're going to do is you're going to limit the small clubs from ever being successful. And you may as well get to the point where why, why even bother? You know, I mean, we've got Newcastle, West Ham, Aston Villa, maybe Brighton. I mean, I don't see Brighton ever being a true competitor because their whole model model seems to be bring someone through, make them really good, sell them for a load of money, and then hopefully get someone else come through. Um, it's worked for them so far, don't get me wrong, but I would be much more happy if we get that sort of model of bringing the players through, but keep the players. And I think that's what we've got to kind of focus on now is like, we're not going to be able to go out and buy the league. Um, mm -hmm. What we what we need to be hoping for is Dan Ashworth's got his, his like little scouts out everywhere, collecting all of these young players into the, into the team. Um, into the academy, bringing them through into the first team, holding on to the best of the best, selling the ones that we maybe need to improve on, um, that will help with our financial fair play. And I think we've all, all um, said, you know, half of our problem at the moment is we have no saleable assets. We either have players that we desperately need rid of who are on higher wages and longer contracts than they should ever have been put on um, under Ashley, and nobody wants to buy them off us. No one wants to give us a fee for them because they can't afford their wages anyway. Um, or if there are players that people do want, we don't want to sell them because they're our best mm -hmm. players and we yeah. need them to continue to progress and we need to build around them. So for me, I think the the youth academy and bringing through our own talent and hoovering up the best around the country, if not around the world, um, and then using the money that we've got left over in terms of transfer fees on buying that one or two players for those key positions where you just haven't managed to find that right player or you need an extra body in the squad for, for that particular position. Um, I think that's the way forward for us. Uh, it's not going to be an easy fix. It's not going to be a quick overnight thing. 
but I think it's probably the more sustainable and the more sensible approach given all of the financial restrictions. Having said that, I think we will be a lot more active in the market than uh, we were probably last summer because of the new income coming in from Adidas and we've got all of the sealer contract and we've got, um, I think we're taking over our own merchandise again. Cheers, Ashley, you wanker. Um, So we get all of that money coming back into the club and that then gives us a bigger revenue. I mean, we're sitting, what, 17th in terms of revenue in Europe at the moment? So it's not bad, you know, that's not a bad place to be. And if you can add in those extra extra sponsorship deals, we probably push up into the top 15, maybe maybe sort of floating around like 13th to 14th maybe um, without even really pushing everything else. And then if you can build on that for the next couple of years, then you improve your overseas revenue, you increase that a little bit more and you close the gaps and more. It's unfortunately... I think a lot of the fans that are upset over the the progress of Newcastle and we're seeing these financial fair play restrictions as a direct attack on us, but we've probably been led to believe that we were going to overtake the league because we were, we were sold this richest club in the world stuff as soon as the new owners came in. Oh, we're going to go nuts in the, in the market. We're going to buy like, you know, Messi and, and Mbappe and, you know, it was never going to happen. And I think no. adjusting the expectations of the fan base has been probably a good thing this season. And hopefully, you know, we've got people who are, you know, crying out Dan Byrne and all of these sorts of players, but they're good, solid players for us. We just need to still build the squad up. Um, hopefully we can do that under the restrictions that are coming in. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see exactly what the finalized rules are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to me, clubs like you mentioned before, the likes of Crystal Palace, Fulham, Bournemouth, that sort of thing, I reckon they're just happy to tag along for the road show, to be honest, because they might not again be fighting relegation, but they're not going to be pushing for Europe. They're just happy to compete in the Premier League and take up the spoils and rewards that come with that. And I think they'll just be happy with whatever the big six want to push on to those clubs that want to compete. Us, Villa... Uh, Brighton, the clubs that you mentioned just before, you know, uh, West Ham as well. Um, so it, it, it's all working out from that as far as I'm concerned. Have the big six got a leeway over those lesser clubs? And for us clubs that are sat in the middle, are kind of like in limbo, it said, come on, we need you, you, you smaller clubs effectively to help us out so we can make the Premier League more of a level playing field for everybody not just for the big six and those clubs that are pushing into the uh, big six, but for the likes of Wolves, Fulham, Bournemouth, whoever, those types of clubs sat in mid-table. Why can't it be a level playing field? It should be. It should be as competitive as it wants to be. I mean, we've seen Wolves go to Stamford Bridge and be Chelsea 4-2. Does that, that not tell you how competitive this league is for an outsider? It is ridiculously great for stuff like that. And the the, the, the yeah, rant is here. So any club that outside of the big six that votes for any of this shit deserves to just go down and play in the championship. Effectively, what they're saying is, I'm happy to just kind of come here, pick up our checks, and never actually compete for anything. That's effectively what they're signing up for. And if if they if they truly want to improve their situation, even if it's just to have a decent cup run or whatever, you know, they have the, that that foray into Europe because one of the, the big six teams or, you know, or the big eight, nine or whatever we're, we're turning into now, 
um, you know, having that ability to just, you know, well, we've had a good season. We finished sixth or seventh. So we get an, we get a chance to go to Europe for the, for the next season. And that's great for our fans. That's what clubs and fans and, and that should be about. Like it, it mm-hmm. you know, what's the point in just sitting there treading water just because you get some money off the Premier League? That's, that's no life for a football fan. You want to have that dream. We, we had it for 14 years under Ashley where literally, you know, the next season was about, well, you know, let's hope we don't sell all our best players or one of them at least comes through and keeps us up and we, we don't go, get relegated yet again under this this pillock. So, you know, it, it, it that was no existence as a fan. You know, at least if you've got something to hope for, you might not get it. You might not like win the league, but you want to hope and dream that you can go, right, well, you know what? We finished like eighth last season. That's like two two places away from European spot. Let's let's push on and we can actually get into Europe for the first time in however many years it is for this club. And you know, that's a big adventure for us. And and you go, well, that's fine. That's what it should be about. It's not about just sitting there and making up the numbers. Otherwise, may as well just start the, the European Super League, let all the big clubs sod off to to do that that business, kick them out of the Premier League, and just let the rest of us get on with it. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more, mate. You literally hit the nail on the head with that one there. It is, yeah. The the trying to create two little mini leagues. You got the big six with their own little league, and then you got everybody else competing in theirs. And I do think the big six have the other smaller clubs uh, under the thumb effectively. And look, we'll just let you tick along, do as you do nicely. And there's that famous phrase again, what Steve Bruce does. Oh, we just got to pick ourselves up and tick along or whatever it was, you know. Clubs should not want to do that, as you said. Yeah, (laughs) they should aspire to more. And as fans, that's what you want. You want to see your team lift a trophy. You don't want to see them just grind a result in week in, week out, and just survive. Because we know as fans, as you said, for the last 14 years, that's all we had. We were on the bridge of nothingness and just, just going to basically disappear into the nothing of existence. And then... What's happened has happened back in October of 2021. Fast forward, all these rules and regulations have changed. And here we are today thinking, can we compete with the big six? Financially, we absolutely can. But we've got these hurdles and roadblocks in front of us, which are holding us back every few months or so. And it's starting to get quite annoying for me now, Mark. I don't know about you. Well, it is. And and the big thing that I keep coming back to is you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it. The Premier League's put all these rules and regulations in to limit our spending, but then they're trying to manufacture new rules and regulations to impede even spending whatever you can now. Um, you know, it's like it's it's like they keep moving the goalposts at every moment. And uh, I think, I mean, Amanda was was quite vocal in the in the Amazon special where, you know, she made it perfectly clear that, you know, things have changed since we took over. We thought we would be able to get some sponsorship deals in quickly. That was all put on the blocks. Um, you know, it, it's it's just getting it's just getting to the point, as I said before, where it's feeling like a personal attack and it's purely directed at Newcastle. Maybe that's just because, that you know, we're Newcastle, we're aware of what our owners c- could spend if the shackles were off. But it is it is starting to, to really piss me off in terms of this monopolized tops like big six clubs. Um, it's it's you know I'm, I'm going to say it. It's the American owners that are pushing it. 
Um, mm-hmm. They've got this this feeling that they don't want to ever lose out on getting those top spots again. Um, they don't want to lose out to another Leicester. They certainly don't want to lose out on another team doing what Man City or Chelsea did to establish themselves permanently in that top positions. Um, mm-hmm. And they certainly don't want to ever ever discuss like relegation. So. My, my big thing is, you know, the Super League is being pushed by the American owners in terms of the UK clubs, and it's being pushed by a lot of the clubs who have kind of thrown the toys out the pram that they're not the big dogs anymore because, as you said, the, the likes of Bournemouth and Brighton can can outspend them these days in terms of transfer fees, and they don't like that, and they, they, they're wanting to claw back a little bit of that financial powerhouse stuff um, but at the same time, it's 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 affecting us. It's affecting our progress, um, and it's affecting the Premier League brand. And the Premier League do this is like my probably my final point on this is the Premier League have damaged their brand in terms of what they've done for the last transfer window. It was like a record low spend by clubs. Nobody was willing to move like for for years and years. Like this this is like the lowest spend we've had for for a long long time. Nobody was willing to move because of the the threat that was hanging over their head. Um, I think all the clubs have, have kind of thought, well, yeah, we didn't really think they meant it, but look at what they've done to, to Everton um, and they've backed off a lot. But if they start going down this route and the Premier League actively start giving power back to Europe out of some fear of the Super League, um, then I'm sorry, but you're damaging your brand even more. And for what? Just to keep other clubs happy? Well, you shouldn't worry about that because the the, the point is, yes, the, the Super League may get some attention. The Premier League is still the most popular league in the world and for a good like reason. Paul. And so you can't, it's not going to drop off just because the Super League starts up. You know, people are going to get bored of like, oh, well, Real Madrid and Barcelona are at the top of that league now every single year. Um, you know, we've got some whipping boys in there like PSG, uh, PSV or um, or Borussia Dortmund or whatever, who are kind of like just the perennial whipping boys of that league. Um, you know, it's 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 just annoying that all of this stuff is is happening since our takeover purely and simply to try and make it so that the top six, the big six, sorry, the top six, they're not they're not the top six anymore, um, but the big six clubs, the big spenders, um, can secure their position on the gravy train constantly at everyone else's yep. expense. Yep. Again, hit the nail on the head. And I think that's a very good way to end this podcast before we start getting a little bit more volatile and a little bit more aggressive towards this whole financial force let's call it um but yeah it's been a pleasure talking as always mark um hopefully there is some light at the tunnel at the end of these discussions that are happening and it's not going to be as bad as what early evidence would suggest it's going to be and we can continue on with our progress in a steady fashion and push up the league as we wish to do so uh, but we will leave it there. But again, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to this channel. We Again, we are so close to 1,500 subscribers. We would love to crack that number as soon as possible. Uh, so again, please subscribe. Give this uh, video a thumbs up. It helps push up through the algorithm. And again, if you're listening on the other platforms, a five-star review will be fantastic. And come and give us a shout over on the socials. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the like. Uh, just look up Tune Under Podcast. But again, Mark, thanks very much for uh, joining me tonight. I will see you 
sometime on the next one. Not sure when that's going to be, but uh, I do know we have a Nottingham Forest uh, preview coming up very shortly as well. So stay tuned for that one. Hit the notification bell if you want to be notified when that one goes live, which should be in the next day or two. Thanks, Mark. Enjoy your night, and I'll catch you again. Cheers, Craig. Cheers, everyone. Catch you later.